friends, welcome to Interviews, Voices of Our Herbal Elders. This is my opportunity to talk to some of my dearest friends, people who have not only influenced my herbal work, but also have had a major influence on the revitalization of American herbalism. Most of us began our herbal work around the same time, in the early 1970s and 80s, when herbalism was still mostly underground, a place where plants actually thrived quite well. I love hearing people tell their herbal stories of how they began their herbal work, who and what inspired them, their favorite plant and healing stories, and I felt that others would be interested in hearing them as well. In fact, I felt it was important to capture these stories before this generation of elders passed on, as we're all destined to do. esteemed and honored guest today is Mindy Green. Along with being a remarkably accomplished and brilliant individual, she is also one of my oldest, dearest friends. Mindy has been involved in the herbal and healthcare industry for close to 50 years, and she's accomplished an unbelievable amount. I'm going to mention just a few things that I know she's done, but for her full bio, you can read, go to our website or to her website, because it's really quite amazing. She was a founding member of the American Herbalist Guild. She was on the advisory board to the American Botanical Council, as well as the Herb Research Foundation. She has taught and served on the faculty of a number of herb schools and universities, including the Rocky Mountain Center for Botanical Studies, the California School of Herbal Studies, my own alma mater, the University of Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine, and she was also a program specialist at the Integrative Resource Center at the University of Colorado Hospital, which I want to say is really indicative of her dedication to and her leadership in wellness and healthcare. Along with being a professional and lifelong herbalist, Mindy is also a certified registered aromatherapist and licensed esthetician. She's founded and owned several herb and essential oil businesses, including the beloved Simplers Botanical Company, which was really one of the early essential oil companies in this country. And she's also served on the education committees of the National Association of Holistic Aromatherapy and the Aromatherapy Registration Council. She's a prolific author and writer, and she's written numerous, numerous articles. In fact, almost any wellness and healthcare magazine that's available, Mindy's contributed at one time or another. And she's also the author of the really excellent and definitive work on aromatherapy. Her book that she co-authored with Kathy Cavell, Aromatherapy, Complete Guide to the Healing Art, and also author of Calendula and Natural Perfumes. There's so much more I could say about Mindy, but I think it's really just important to mention that she's been a lifelong environmentalist and was served, actually, I would say, even helped found United Plant Savers and served on the board of United Plant Savers from 2004 to 2010. So just amazingly accomplished. And she's also, as I said, one of my dearest friends. So Mindy, it's just so wonderful to have you join me. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> oh, Rosemary, it's my pleasure. It's wonderful to see you as always. And I look forward to our conversation here. We'll go down memory lane, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, we definitely will. Because we, we met each other really before 
I mean, we were in love with plants and healing and herbs, but really before we'd done anything, right? You know, we met in the early 1970s, actually, and worked together at the Guernsey Natural Food Store. Those were actually incredibly wild and wonderful days, I know, for both of us. Do you have a favorite story or stories to tell about those early days on the river? You know, I think I'll share the story about when we met. It was 1971, late fall 1971, and I was delivering my homemade desserts to a local restaurant in Guerneville called Brothers Restaurant. It's no longer there, but the building is still there. It was a big yurt, a round building, which was, you know, amazing in itself in 1971. And uh, I brought them into the kitchen, these cheesecakes that I made, and you and Drake were in the kitchen. And I mean, we were all hippies, and so the sight of another hippie couple wasn't that unusual. But Drake being, what, six, seven, and you're like my size, five, three or something. And Drake had on these muslin beige yoga pants and a short cropped, like, kind of T-shirt. And you were all hippied out. And it was just, you know, the the magical moment that our, our souls got to reunite. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that evening at Brothers. I actually think I have pictures from that night. But I also remember so much of just seeing you in the Guerneville Natural Food Store. So I was sort of the cleaning woman, you know, kind of. I eventually became the the herbalist there, but I started out as a cleaning woman, you know, and I, I'm always really proud of that. You know, I started out by cleaning the bathrooms and coming in after everybody was done work, but you worked in the juice bar. And I just remember this incredibly vital, just brilliant, you know, life force coming off of you. So, yeah, it was pretty neat. Yes, I love the juice bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I always am very proud of saying that you were in my very first third class I ever taught was in my living room. And in fact, when I think about it, you probably were one of the people who were prompting me to teach. And the reason I say that so proudly now, because I really feel like you are my teacher. You know, you, I just think you are one of the really best herbal aromatherapy teachers I know of in this country. So I, I always have just, you know, really with pride say, you know, Mithy was in my very first herb class. Well, I think more than anything, I asked a lot of questions. And so you helped find the answers. <laughs> so we prompted each other to learn a lot more together. So do you have any story to tell from those early days in the, in the herb class? Anything that you remember pop out? I think, well, there's a couple. One, one of course, is your very first herb class, which was when we were coming into your house. We had to shoo away the family of raccoons that lived on your porch. <laughs> so we made our way into your house. And the subject of our class was magic mushrooms and not those kind. They were real marinated edible mushrooms. <laughs> and we just added lots of herbs and garlic and talked about all the, those things. But the second memory that I have is when we, uh, I think it was the second class too, we made dream pillows and we had gathered the mugwort because it grew all along the Russian river there. And we gathered it fresh and we stuffed it into these pillows that we sewed ourselves. And we had other herbs, you know, hops and chamomile and lavender and all the other things. But the, we, the next time we met, which I think was either a few days or a week later, how did it go with the, with the dream pillows? And I was like, well, I woke up in the middle of the night and I could not sleep. I had to, I had to just get rid of that thing. And you said, oh, my gosh, me too. And I threw it across the room. It gave us such crazy nightmares. And I think that 
whether we used too much or because it was fresh, you know, whatever. We were young and didn't know it very much about what we were doing. We were experimenting. And that's a lot of how we learned is making all of those mistakes. In fact, I remember getting together with all of our herbal girlfriends and sharing what was the biggest mistake you made in the last time since the last time I saw you. And Cascade was famous about sharing these kinds of things too. Cascade Anderson Geller. And we learned a lot from from those things. And I think we were just so young and naive and didn't know that we shouldn't be or couldn't be doing these things, you know. And I think that's a lot of how many herb companies got started. We just didn't know that that we were being naive and and kind of frivolous. And for most of us, we made it work. Well, we did. There was just incredible dedication and openness to learning, I think. But I still think it's the best way to learn, actually. It's just experience, you know. And um, yeah, I, I do want to mention something about the mugwort, too. Like when I moved to the East Coast, I would tell people still to make these dream pillows and add the mugwort. But people stopped having those wild dreams, right? Because the mugwort here is very different. It's a different variety than the mugwort that grows on the West Coast. And the, it's really that wild, I think it's the Artemisia vulgaris that grows out there. Yeah, it's the one yeah. that really stimulates. It gives you these incredibly wild, colorful dreams. But the East Coast doesn't do that at all. It's good a good medicine. Yeah, so again, just learning. We were still experimenting and learning. Absolutely. We stumbled our way into, into today. Yeah. <laughs> still are stumbling, but yes, a little older, older and wiser. <laughs> we hope anyway. Yes, we, I know that you've had, you know, a lifetime of aha moments with the plants, but I just always love hearing that story of just one that pops into your mind right now, of, you know, maybe when the plant saved you or when you knew you were going to follow them, like just that aha magical moment. If you have one of those stories to share with us. Well, there are a lot of those stories, and I think a lot of them unfolded in the circles of the conferences that you started in the early days and I think 1974 was the first one and we would just gather in circle and I just felt like I found home and found my tribe and this was my dedicated path and as you like to say we learned to walk the beauty way you know and the plants called our names and you don't you don't resist when the plants call your names. You just, you follow wherever they lead you. Well, it's really taking you down a lot of paths. Huh? A lot of paths, all, all kind of in the same, you know, natural products industry type of thing. But I've enjoyed the variety. And I think that in every step I've brought, you know, we always bring our past with us and our past experiences that unfold into new teachings and learnings sure. as we move forward in life. You know, Mindy, one of the things that I've really admired about you is how you've branched out. It, you know, aromatherapy and your cosmetic work all involved herbs, of course, but you become, you would go on and you would just study these, you know, and just then it kind of, it's like you took your herbal work down many different streamlets and rivlets, and then you combine them all beautifully. You know, I've heard you say that about the plants, that there's so many different ways. So you mind sharing a little, how, you know, about those different pathways and how you've integrated them? I moved to British Columbia, I think it was about 1977 or 78. And so all those years from, um, you know, the early 70s till then, we both worked at Guerneville Natural Foods together. And of course, you were doing all of those wonderful teachings. And I was an avid student and, and devout follower. <laughs> and you were the first person that had essential oils. 
at, at your store, at your little, you know, the little closet that was inside Guerneville Natural Foods before you started Rosemary's Garden. And um, it truly was like a hallway. So there were on both sides of the walls, it was lined. You, you know, it was just you walked up and there was the counter and you had your herbs behind you. But then there was another shelf and those were all essential oils. And I came in there one day. I mean, it's just like three steps away from the cash register, the juice bar, you know. And so I walked in there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you have like some concentrated version of rosemary here, you know, and lavender. I think you had rosemary, lavender, eucalyptus, peppermint, and probably some citruses to start. And to me, it just made so much sense. To me, aromatherapy is a concentrated version of herbalism with some caveats and, you know, different things that you, you should know before delving into them instead of the herbal path, which is safer and, um, you know, more, more whole and holistic, if you will. And I always, if I'm teaching a class about herbs to aromatherapists or a class about aromatherapy to herbalists, you know, there's always a mesh, you know, they, they have obviously similar uses. And, um, I think it's just a way to kind of plump up your herbal therapies, especially in external applications for your body and, but also a concentrated version to just have that extra, um, hit of nature in your day, whether it's a diffuser or like me, I have my little, you know, aromatherapy inhalers next to my desk here. And I have my little aromatherapy oh, no. rays here and, <laughs> you know, just to combine them all. And, you know, if it's essential oils or hydrosols, which to me are really a distilled herbal tea, or your herb tea, which, you know, never go without. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So to me, that was a super easy transition. And uh, it just made a lot of sense to me. And I love the way you could combine them, um, not just in, in skincare, but in all all forms of healing, you know, body, mind, spirit kind of things. And I don't think that's different for herbs either. It's just a little more tangible almost in a different way in terms of the strength of their aroma. But, you know, when you have your herb tea, it's really important. I mean, you taught me this, you know, you smell it, you taste it, you take it in, you enjoy it. And one of my things that I say to people, and this includes the medical professionals that I teach at the University of Arizona, these are overwhelmed docs who just finished, you know, their whatever 10 years of medical training, and then they've been in private practice, and then they're taking on a new fellowship, which I, of course, applaud them. I call them, you know, the hippie docs who are open-minded enough to learn about plants and, and integrative care and many modalities. But I, I say to them, you know, if they say, you know, what's better, a tea or a tincture or a capsule, or, you know, what do you recommend? And I always say, First, tea, because if you slow down enough to make a cup of tea, that's half battle right there, you know. And with aromas, right from your cup or the essential oil that you're smelling, when you open that bottle or have your tea in, in front of you and you're inhaling the fragrance, I mean, you're, you're really inhaling nature. And, you know, we have this oxygen CO2 exchange with the trees, they, they exhale the CO2, um, I'm sorry, they inhale our CO2 and we inhale their oxygen that they, that they exhale. So once you know that, how can you not be moved 
to the truth that we are all connected, you know. And so when you smell something that you like the aroma of, you take a deeper breath. And when you take a deeper breath, you slow down everything. I mean, the whole point of meditation is to focus on your breathing. And when, when we are inhaling, and by the way, to inspire means to inhale. And so you're taking in these plant aromas that are doing all of these things, which we can talk about later, but just generally changing our brain chemistry, you know, by the chemical constituents that we inhale from different essential oils and plants. They can stimulate, they can uplift, they can relax, whatever. And I think it's just so powerful. And just the act of take, making the tea and slowing down enough to sip it mindfully and breathing in those aromas. And when you like that odor, you just take it in. I, I've been on walks. I'm sure you've done this. You're walking by and you're like, what is that smell? You know, and you're just like, all of a sudden you're just a, a light enlivened, you know, and I just, I love that. And how can you, I don't know, to me, that just feeds my soul. It's part of um, what draws me to continue in this work and what drew me into it in the first place is that it is just such a beautiful, very Libran, you know, beauty, walking the beauty way and, and, and bringing all these pieces of beauty, plants and flowers and herbs and seeds and all of these things. I mean, what is more beautiful than that? And spending time in nature, we know how important that is. And it helps us to slow down. And when we slow down, we reduce stress. And 70 to 95% of office visits to medical personnel are because of stress. I tell the docs when I'm teaching that if you take away nothing from this aromatherapy class, here's the one piece of information that you should remember. And that is when you like the odor of something, you bring it into your body and it slows you down. And when you can slow down your nervous system and enliven your vagus nerve, then you are supporting your parasympathetic nervous system. And already you, you know, that's half Amen. the battle. I don't know if I answered. <laughs> I that. <laughs> that was such a great answer. I forget yeah. even what I asked you, but whatever it was, it was just a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful response. I followed you. It was like taking oh, a good. journey. I kept breathing and getting calmer and calmer. We walked I through know, the garden that on that so one. so beautiful. <laughs> I know. That's another thing I forgot to mention. You're an exquisite gardener. It's amazing what you do and a good homemaker and yeah, it's just kind of, re you're remarkable. You know, I, I do want to say to all of the people listening that Mindy actually is my go-to person. And actually for everybody who knows her, like when we have a question about anything, anything, you know, has to do with herbs or aromatherapy <laughs> or health, we just email Mindy. <laughs> but, and then, you know, I did mention this is all that time you worked at the Herb Research Foundation, you know, you were like doing, you really love research as well as actually just, yeah, I know you're, and then, and then the other thing that, and you might want to mention this a little bit, but at the Brightonbush Herbal Conferences that we used to go to all the time up in, uh, it's a beautiful hot springs. It was just such a gathering for herbalists. And, and there was, I forget, I think it was Tim Blakely who brought the game. What was it? Herbal, um, herbal, herbal trivia, trivia, right? So our good friend, Tim Blakely, he created that game, right? For us. And Mindy always would win. It was like... Everybody wanted to team up with Mindy because she knew all the answers to all of the trivia questions year after year after year. Did you ever lose, Mindy? I, I did lose. But, you know, the key was picking a good partner. 
you know, one year I had Kathy, one year, um, and of course she, her whole newsletter is a lot of trivia bits and all her history and mythology. She's, she's fantastic about that. I think one year I had Amanda McQuaid Crawford, and you know, I was going to beat her intellectually. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. Those days were so much fun. And herbalists, it was a surprisingly competitive bunch. If you were um, pit against a team of say. David Winston and Ed Smith, you know, get out of the way. You know, they're ruthless. They're going to win, you know. It was it was so much fun, and we're all such great friends. And I think part of the friendships that we forged in those early days were because we were these kind of lone little tiny groups in different places, and then we, we learned that there were other people like us. You know, oh, my God, you like herbs too? And you were instant, fast, lifelong friends. All of them are still our lifelong friends. It's wonderful and amazing. I always say we came in on the same it's soul very, ship. Very true. Yeah, and I, I do want to mention too. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the beautiful things at that herbal at those herbal conferences, there would be just like today, there would be so much sharing. There'd be so much, you know, people just exchanging information. We kind of grew up together, you know, learning from one another. And then in the evening times, there would be these wonderful games and sitting in the hot tub. So, yeah, it helped to form a really strong network, a family that was always growing. You know, it was expanding. Now it's so big, it's hard to know all the family members, but they're out there, you know, making making their own circles. But Mindy, yes. you know, in, it's hard to answer this, but I always so curious, is there a moment that you remember when you actually called yourself an herbalist or really felt like I'm an herbalist? Is there is there like a moment that you can remember when that happened for you? I know that's kind of a hard question. It is hard because it was a transition. And, you know, for me, I really entered that world through my interest in um, nutrition and healthy foods, you know, working at Guerneville Natural Foods and then, you know, reading about herbs. Of course, we all had John Lust and Back to Eden. That was kind of the only herb books that we could find in those days, you know, but um, Nicholas Culpepper and we were just all so amazed. And then the eclectic physicians and things like that. So I think, I mean, there were moments definitely that I just felt connected to nature. You know, when I was a child, you know, I didn't grow up, you know, this, I didn't grow up in America and I lived overseas and um, I didn't have television or anything like that. And we lived in the Asian far East. And so I would go on these hikes and I would leave really early in the morning, every weekend and I would pack my little, you know, bag for snacks and water, and I'd go off by myself. And uh, it was, of course, an Air Force base. And so, you know, I was enclosed in this little mini America, you know. Um, but I'd, I'd be walking out there, and it was tropical jungle. And I would just sit in awe and look around. And, you know, there'd be, you know, Tarzan vines you could swing on and all these amazing plants. And if I it was it was the Philippines, and so they were in World War II. I saw a lot of machine gun shells and things like that, you know, from the war and things. But other than that, um, it was just an amazing place. And the tropics still speak to me. That's that's where my heart lives in those warm, humid, fully green climates. <laughs> Not like Colorado, where I am now, and it's <laughs> snowing. <laughs> and so that was that was a big moment, you know, just kind of the, the, my interest in nature. One day I. It, when we were in British Columbia and I stepped out of the door on our, on my way to the herb store 
now that we had. And all of a sudden, nature, would, I stopped. And I was just like, what, what? And it was just yelling at me, we're here, we're here. And so that was a confirmation more than an inspiration, I think. But it really stopped me in my tracks. It was quite amazing. You know, just being kind of under your tutelage for so many years in those early days, um, my interest and acknowledgement grew of the plants and all of their just amazing healing powers. Um, not to mention some of the other plants we imbibed with. That. There was always that. I know there was always that joke among the herbalists in those eras that, you know, there was, it, we all came into plants, not all of us, but a lot of the herbalists came into plants through the one master plant, right? And then we branched off from that. But yeah, you mentioned yeah. your time in British Columbia. So I, yes. that's always such a really incredible period for you because you had the herb store there and also an herb prop school, right? Yeah, it was amazing. And you probably will... Um, attest to this too, you learn so much by people asking you questions. And then you find the answers to them. And then you gain that experience and you pass it on to the next person who asks that same question or, you know, in a class that you share it because it was such a profound experience in learning and, and teaching for us all. So we were experientially driven in a lot of ways. And that herb store went on even after you left Canada. That store was... It did. And you know what? I was in uh, Victoria, B.C. last spring in May. And um, I found the store. Of course, I know where the store was. And I think it was like some hot dog stand or something now. But there was another store and it had moved downtown. And I had seen that before when I had visited back there again. But it finally did close the Self-Heal Herbal Center. And um, on one of the main streets downtown, just a few blocks from where it originated down on the waterfront. So one of the great things of our time anyway is we've had the really wonderful opportunity to study with some really great elders. I know that you did as well. And I'm just wondering if you could just, if you have any stories to share about any of the elders that you studied with. Well, you know, in the early days, you and I got to meet Dr. Christopher. And um, he was just such an amazing character. I remember he'd always go on stage and the first thing he would do is take two spoonfuls of cayenne and wash it down because he had a lot of arthritis and that was his go-to remedy. And I remember one morning I took two capsules of cayenne pepper before I came to work at the herb school and by, I'm at the herb store, Guerneville Natural Foods. And I don't know if it was you, but my, I, I think it was you. I was my heart was pounding out of my chest and it felt like I had five cups of coffee. And so I caution anyone, <laughs> probably not a good idea, maybe a very small amount on your, on your food or a tiny um, single ot capsule or something. But anyway, that was a real teaching. That was experiential. That was good. And then of course, Norma Myers. Norma was, you know, the amazing, fantastic uh, Native American Mohawk Indian woman from Alert Bay, the island that was across from the island that we lived on, Malcolm Island, where Suintula was. And um, her husband, Carrie, was the tribal leader. You know, he's a fisherman, like a lot of the, the Native people there were fishermen. And, you know, I mean, you were there in the early days when we first got there. And um, she held that conference. And we kind of put together this conference um, on Alert Bay. 
in this big longhouse, this Native American longhouse. Some people that were there just went on to do amazing things. Like, well, I think Michael Tierra was there. You came. You had a little entourage with you. And Stephen Dentali, who was like 19 years old at the time, he went on to be the chief scientific officer for APA for many, many years. And uh, anyway, a, a big group of wonderful herbalists. And um, so, uh, you know, you know the story of Norma. <laughs> she, she had, there's so many stories with Norma, and she was so fantastic. And what I remember mostly about her is that she would never go anywhere without leaves stuff, stuffed into her toque, which was a Canadian kind of knit cap. And she always had alder leaves, and she was especially fond of the alder trees and said they would cure her. You know, she made a lot of outrageous claims, but she was such a character. And Jim used to describe, Jim Green used to describe her as an encyclopedia with no index. <laughs> yeah, so she was, she was a wonderful, wacky character, and I adored her. And she just had, she had zero boundaries about anything. Her house, your house. <laughs> yeah, and she was wonderful and giving and caring and loving. You were very fortunate. You know, I felt I felt like I was a good friend of hers. And, you know, I knew her. I traveled up there maybe two or three times, then had her come to the Herb School, the, the California School of Over Studies, which was, I have so many great stories from that. But you and James had such a special relationship with her, you know, really knew her well. And, you know, I think in some ways really helped her. She definitely found um, acknowledgement. You know, Jim was really good about bringing her into the herb community beyond the native tribes and her small circle in Canada. And so, of course, a lot of Canadian herbalists knew her, but she, you know, she was on an island, you know, and she didn't have a lot of reach. And so we brought her down a lot to do classes at our herb, herb school, and she would do a lot of herb walks and she was she knew her plants inside and out and she lived them she really really did live them and i don't know i think maybe you you heard the story but she and and jim go way back because they taught school together at a regular high school and norma was a biology school teacher and when they fired her because she was too outlandish with her suggestion of getting the kids out there organic gardening as part of the biology class and so when they fired her, he quit, and they started an herb store together up there called The Sun and Seed, and it was a little, not herb store, health food store. And they had a bakery, too. Yeah, that's beautiful. I remember that Jim had written that uh, little booklet uh, about Norma's life. I hope it's still available because really uh, there's, you know, she's living, uh, she lives on through all of us who knew her, but. She really needs to live on for future generations of herbalists because she contributed so much and because she was such an incredible wild woman. Yeah, she was a wild yeah, woman. Yeah, as wild as the plants. Yeah, yeah as so, wild as um, the plants. We had the opportunity. Well, act, you were actually still living up in, uh, up in Victoria, up on the island, Vancouver Island. And I really wanted you and Jim to come down to teach at the herb school. So I enticed you to come down there. And then when I left the herb school, you actually became a co-owner and a faculty member there for many years after I left. So I would just love for you to share, um, you know, a little bit of your experience being at the herb school. And if you have a favorite story or two, just tell when you were time, because you were there for, actually, I think you ended up being there longer than I was there. I was there for the first 10 years, but I think you were there even longer. I, I at the school for seven years and I was there for 10 years, but I, and I will tell that story. But before that, the very first 
herb bus tour you took with your students was up to our school in British Columbia in Il Gutano, the gypsy, the gypsy bus, the herb school bus. And you brought all of your students up and we exchanged students and we taught your students and you taught our students. And that was amazing. And so, of course, we, you know, when I was ready to come back, um, I, of course, I wanted to come to the herb school. I got to I've got to go to herb school for seven years <laughs> and I got to hire any teacher I wanted to learn from uh, at herb school. And I, you know, I wasn't the only one, of course, we had quite a, a nice a nice cast of characters and staff members there, including Tim Blakely and, and Amanda McQuaid Crawford and David Hoffman. And it was, and then we just hire all of our friends to come and, and share. And we just, you know, life was a party. It was wonderful. And um, the herb school had a, quite a history. I don't think we have time to go into the history of the herb school here, but you know, before you got the herb school, but there is a grateful dead connection, which, you know, for another time, but anyway, Herb school was fabulous, and it was sometimes referred to herbal summer camp when it was just a shorter program. And then I think it became a nine a nine or ten month program. And um, and a lot of the students that went there went on to do amazing things, amazing herbalists. Uh, and I know that Deborah. Oh, Deb Soul, Deb Soul. Oh yes, and Karen Sanders, and um. I, I just, so many people, a Asa uh, Waldstein, I think, I just saw little Asa, he was there probably when he was 18 or something, and he just got an award from APA for being, you know, something in the herb industry, and then, of course, David, um, David, who worked for Herb Farm, Bunting, David Bunting, yes, and they all the fabulous herb careers, Sonny Mabel started Herbs for Kids, so many inspirations and you just you just dropped all these seeds and they they blew to the four corners of of the, the earth and started wonderful things so uh, i think that's that's probably the biggest inspiration that you could have as a teacher is to just inspire others and a lot of the students there are now the teachers there in fact bought the herb school and they still have it and um Trinity Ava teaches there and just so many alumni. Yeah, it's amazing. It started, I think, of the, uh, in the late 1970s. And it's been, you know, it's considered to be the first herb school, you know, in the more recent history and the longest running. And it still just maintains that remarkable uh, reputation. I think one of the things I love so much about the school that was instilled in it from the very beginning was it was a lot about learning, you know, information and and all kinds of information about plants, not one particular path, but, you know, we brought in shamans and we brought in, you know, clinical herbalists and we brought in aromatherapists and, you know, flower essence. So it was just this really eclectic uh, flowing river of information, but even more than the information was just connecting people to that spiritual nature of the plants. I think that was, and that maybe is what made it so inspiring for people because you know, it was like it opened up a doorway inside themselves that they could just travel into and travel down and be with the plants. But yeah, I, for myself too, I think some of the, my dearest moments are that time spent at the herb school with all the students and the singing and the, you know, the potlucks and everybody coming together and singing at night around the campfires. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the herbal medicine show at the end of every graduation the students just got to show off what they learned 
what they made, how, you know, the product line they were going to start when they left. I have to say, James actually brought that to the school, the medicine show. And that has spread to almost every program now in the country. I know I started, immediately started doing it in my center here in Vermont. And then, you know, you see it everywhere now, which is, it's such a perfect way to complete where the students are now showing and sharing all of their products and trading them and bartering them. And, you know, so it becomes, and with Jim, because he was so into like theater, theatrical, he would have us all dress up, right? So we dress this as, as your favorite medicine person, I came down one time dressed, you know, with all my flowing hippie clothes, riding my horse, you know, <laughs> galloping down into the center of the show on my horseback. Oh, yeah. But you had albums and albums and albums of pictures of all, every single year. And, you know, I really want to acknowledge Tim Blakely for the beautiful garden that he created there. And I know it's been fostered by so many wonderful people since then. But it was, I think it was unique in that, you had a hands-on herb garden where you could pick, you know, grow and tend and harvest and dry and process in the little herb school lab. It was really unique for its time. And a lot of people have copied it since then. And, and wonderful. We need to have more of that. But it was, it was such a unique experience, I think, for the students at, at the time. Yeah, thank you so much for mentioning Tim, because he Tim actually came to my very first herb class that we did for the school. And I, he told me the story. I'd forgotten it, but it was like, I came up to him and said, hey, you want to be the gardener at the new herb school? And he signed on. I don't even know if he, how much gardening experience he had at that time. I probably knew that figured he's the perfect person. But then he went on to do the, uh, to establish those incredible gardens at herb farm and at frontier herb company. So he went on to create beautiful gardens, uh, you know, beyond even his time at the herb school. So yeah, another wonderful person. And for all of our listeners, you know, it sounds like all we did was play music and party with the plants, but we were serious about our studies. We were also serious <laughs> about playing and, and caring for one another and, you know, just creating community, but we were incredibly serious about learning. Um, well, we combined all of those things. Yeah. And what better way to learn than when you're having fun and, and feeling fulfilled. So you've got, you know, you, we've talked about a few of the things that you've co-founded and businesses that you started and ran, but I mean, I can just think of a line of, you know, we talked about the, the herb store that you owned in the school up in British Columbia, and then also the California School of Studies. There was Simpler's Botanical. Um, you have your own consulting business now. Are there any, just any particular stories or lessons or anything you want to share about any of these multitudes of things that you've created in the world? I have to say, I never had a plan. <laughs> None of us had a plan to become an herbalist because there, the, there wasn't even a word, I don't think. There was, there was not that word. There certainly was not that career. And so we were just following our hearts kind of naively, blindly, happily, <laughs> joyfully, just being with, with the plants. And, and I know we were all concerned with this was the beginning of the ecological movement and recycling. And that was a that was a big thing for all of us, too, is just caring for the earth and cleaning up and making beauty, you know, and, and what Tim did in the in Emerald Valley with that hillside, just, you know, it was just a hillside and he made beauty. And so we were just all interested in creating beautiful things in our wake, you know, and um so I was always interested in skincare, and so I, it, in the years that I lived at Emerald Valley, I went actually went to aesthetics school while I was at the herb school 
in um, in Santa Rosa. And then I started working at a couple spas in the Napa Valley doing facials and, and massage. I went to massage school, too, in Sonoma. And, you know, just kind of expanding the repertoire. And I didn't know why. I just thought, well, that would be interesting. And, you know, none of us is we're not making money. We're kind of making a living by cobbling together three or four kind of careers, you know, time here and there. And um, I think it was just, you know, the path just led me to different places. And when I moved to Colorado, uh, you know, Brigitte Mars was here and she begged me to come here. And I'd been teaching for Feathers School, the Rocky Mountain Center for Botanical Studies for a number of years while I was still living in California. And so I moved here. I had kind of a built-in community already of herb friends kind of my next transition. And so teaching there, and then um, I started writing some books, you know, and I never set out to do that. Every article or book that I wrote was because somebody came to me and asked me to do it. And um, so I, I have to say, I like the articles, the goal was shorter. <laughs> you know, you're the author of many books. Um, that was a, you know, a little much, but yes, uh, that was fun and uh, and very, uh, very hands-on experiential learning when you have to be so detailed and organized about writing down information. Um, but then teaching classes, I just always liked that. And um, so then I, when I worked at the Herb Research Foundation with Rob McCaleb, and that was the kind of the beginning of, of the American Botanical Council and Herb Research Foundation, so ABC and HRF. And they were very much sister organizations. And we did a lot of the research. And then Mark took it and started publishing Herbal Gram Magazine with a lot of the you know collaboration that he had with Rob. And uh, while I was there, it was right after the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act passed. And they allowed for herb companies to make soft structure function claims if they had substantiation. So then I was at first the director of uh, education and then later the director of research at HRF. And so when we had clients, and these were all the major big herb companies, um, they'd call us and I need um, a monograph or research papers on this or that herb because we're doing we're marketing this or that herb, you know. So it was partly my job to do that. We had a staff of probably 12 people, I think, at, at the peak. But anyway, I found that really interesting. And then from there, I went to the Anschutz Cancer Center that you mentioned at the University of Colorado. And it was actually the, um, if I can remember the title, Integrative uh, yes, Center yeah. for Patient Care, something like Integrative Resources for Patient Care. People who are getting cancer treatment and they wanted to know what else they might be able to integrate into their treatment protocol, our little center there offered them options, not products, but information. And so from there, I you know got a job offer at this big cosmetics company, and it was it was a beta. And they had just, well, not just, but they were owned by Estee Lauder by then, but Horst was still there. Um, the first day I went to work, Horst was there. He wanted to check out who they just hired because they had never had an aromatherapist there, an aromatherapy company. And Cindy Angerhofer, who was still there for their, um, can't remember her title, director of scientific, or anyway, we both worked in the 
Herb Research Division of R&D, the Plant Research Division, Botanicals, yeah. So I was there for seven years, and that was great. And that really, when I read their what they were looking for, it read like my resume, which was surprising because nothing was planned and nothing was, you know, I had this background in plants and I was an esthetician and I had done some teaching and writing and so forth. Um, but quite frankly, every job I've ever, ever had and ever had was a job that was never there before I came. And you know how, you know, I mean, you started the herb st store who had an herb store before then, you know, we all just kind of stumbled our way into these into these things, you know, so yeah, and then I moved back to Colorado. That's, that's kind of the short version. <laughs> Lots of little paths along the way, and including being on the board of United Plant Savers, which was so fabulous. And Aveda was such a great supporter. Actually, I remember one time not so long ago, I asked you what it is that you love most about. I took, we were just having a conversation, and I asked you what you love most about your time at Aveda. And you looked at me, and you got this enormous smile on your face, and you said, it's because I was able to get big grants for United Plant Savers. And it, those, those were the early days of United Plant Savers, right? So funding was such a good <laughs> issue for us. And because of your networking, with, they had so much respect for you there. And because of your connection with um, United Plant Savers, we, you know, you just were like a, you just made it really easy. And so that really helped get us, get UPS going, you know, so that was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if it was, you know, they had so much respect for me because they didn't really know me there. You know, it was early when I was first hired, but um, I knew who to talk to. <laughs> I knew who to influence and, and we had a great argument for why they should support United Plant Savers, and it made sense to them. And they were envi very environmentally conscious, um, much more so in those days when the money flowed more freely than now and things are tighter everywhere. Yeah, that was, that's so true. That was wonderful. So, yeah, um, I just wanted to ask you, you know, in all your years of working with the plants, if, if there's a particular time or story you want to share with when you saw plants like work a healing miracle either on yourself or with somebody where you just saw them just do the thing that just makes you drop on your knees and give thanks for the plants <laughs> you know uh, there are many of course many many i think probably my ongoing amazement for an herbal remedy is something that uh we made it simpler is called injury oil and of course you know we were apprentices for herb herb farm for Sarah and Ed, and they had the original product. I changed it a little, but the basis, which is what every herb student learns, is Arnica St. John's Ward and Calendula infused herbal oils for bruising and all kinds of impact injuries. And then I added a whole bunch of different essential oils to that. And that still blows my mind to this day. I use it all the time. I have dozens of stories. I'll share one story with you which is pretty amazing. I mean, lots of stories from when the kids were little, you know, but this one was, uh, I was, I was living in Boulder and I was riding my bike and I wasn't going fast or anything, but I just kind of fell over on my bike. I was at the edge of a sidewalk and fell over and it really just hit my hand really hard. And it, I was only a few houses away from my, my home and I kind of pushed my bike home and I got home and I, and I, Put the injury oil all over my hand. I had like gravel in my hand and stuff like that. Injury oil all over up to about here. And 
And it, first of all, it stops the pain almost immediately. And I mean, any of my kids and grandkids will attest to this because as soon as you put it on, they stop crying in like within five minutes, you know. Anyway, so I put it on and having all of these years of experience with it, thought, oh, great, I won't bruise. It'll be fine. I won't get swollen or anything. And the next day I had bruising all the way up my arm from where I stopped putting the injury oil. I put it just to here and it bruised all the way up my arm, but not anywhere else on my hand or, or it was amazing. That was amazing. And I have lots of those kinds of stories, you know, slamming my hand in the car door and, you know, all kinds of things. But that was, that was a real testament. And now I don't go anywhere without it. It's in my purse at all times. And I just have this little tiny vial, but that's, that's amazing. And, you know, the calendula and the St. John's wort, I, you know, they're so high in those beautiful plant pigments and those, um, bioflavonoids really help to keep the integrity of the small blood capillaries that burst open and that's what causes the bruising and so they allow the elasticity of these small blood capillaries to stretch and shrink without breaking open and that's really what stops the bruising most people are like i don't know why it works but it just works and then the essential oils just add that extra layer of of anti-inflammatory plus the, the fragrance of the blend that I use is just so beautiful. That helps to calm you as well, just breathing in those beautiful plant fragrances. So that's that's kind of my go-to combo remedy. Is there some place that makes and sells the formula or is it something that everybody has to make? Well, you know, Herb Farm makes their um, trauma oil. I don't know that they add any essential oils to it. For a long time, they didn't. They might add lavender now. I'm not totally certain about that. But they certainly sell each of those, Arnica, St. John's Word, and Calendula, so you could blend your own. You don't have to make them. And I think Gaia makes something like that. And there's a lot of herb, herb companies now that make those. And of course, just to let your listeners know that Arnica should not be put on broken skin. So if it's road rash or something, then oftentimes I will keep uh, just the St. John's Word and Calendula in a separate bottle so that the Arnica won't disrupt the healing of the broken skin, which is what it can do, you know. Arnica, of course, is great as an oral if it's in a homeopathic, um, but Arnica tincture, as you know, should not be taken internally. It's very irritating to the, the mucous membranes in the throat, and I don't know the details about why. I know that it, it prevents skin from healing on an open wound. So if you have road rash or your kid is, you know, come in with just a scraped knee or something, you know, even aloe vera and lavender is good if they, no, don't touch it, you know, and a lot of tinctures sting and alcohol stings. And so just a little spray of, of um, or a dabbing on of calendula, St. John's wort, and something as simple as just adding lavender to it. But of course, I add German chamomile and yarrow and helichrysum and all the great anti-inflammatory essential oils. Which one was that again, Ray? Panacetum annuum blue tansy. And the German chamomile, which has the azulene, the blue, or the Roman chamomile doesn't usually turn blue, but, you know, that is a, it's an interaction between the heat of distillation and the isolate uh, constituent mattressine okay. oh, that's in chamomile. Really? So when mattressine is exposed to heat, it turns to azulene. In, in chamomile, it's mattressine that gets transferred, metabolized, you know, oh, cascades that. down into, I don't know the, the terminology, but it changes to azulene. Yeah. So blue, our German chamomile CO2 extract is not blue, um, but it has more 
It has azulene in it, but azulene is 10 times strong. I'm sorry, it has matricine in it. And matricine is 10 times stronger than azulene. Oh my God, that's such interesting. Thank you. See, see how it is with Mindy? (laughs) It's like you could do ask her anything and she's going to know. Yeah, Screen, thank you for sharing that. So, you know, I just wanted to ask you, um, are there any... Are there any really special plant allies that you have always called upon, either for physical or emotional, just plants that you just know are there for you? And I, you know, of course, how do you pick your favorite child kind of thing, you know? But uh, I would say among them, definitely the calendula. You know, I did write that little book when all of us, all of a whole bunch of us friends were asked to write this Keating is a series of herb books. And I know Roy Upton did one and Brigitte did one and Kathy, you think did one and Christopher Hobbs did one. And they're these little like hundred page, 120 page books. And mine was on, they said, which one do you want to do? Which plan? I said, I'll, I'll take calendula if no one's, you know, swiped that one yet. So, um, you know, yes, that one, and probably because calendula is powerful and gentle, you know, there's research on it for cancer and it's safe for babies. You know, that it runs the gamut and it has so many uses externally, internally for food. When something covers all those bases, it already, you know, it's already a champion for me. Um, another one would be lemon balm. You know, I have a tiny little backyard and um, I have my favorite herbs planted in there. You know, I have a little nettles. I love the nettles and really just one or two plants will service my needs for an entire year. And, uh, you know, I carefully trim it, let it grow back again. Some of them do that, you know, the nettles and the lemon balm both will do that. And so I kind of harvest it. I have to keep it controlled because my yard's so tiny. And um, so I get a lot of harvests over the years for that. So fresh, you know, lemon balm, fresh water tincture or moon, moon tea, you know, leaving it out in the elements, solar tea, moon tea, you know, the lunar infusions are beautiful. Um, I love the mints. I love basil. I have all the culinary herbs in my garden because it's really hard, unless you have somebody's garden that you can harvest from, even organic herbs sometimes are not the quality that I want for my kitchen. And so I'm kind of particular about that. So those are just among a few of my favorites. I could, you know, I could go on and on. Um, chamomile. Chamomile. Gosh. I grew Tulsi basil last year in my calendula bed because I had enough calendula from the year before. So, you know, they, they rotate, but they're all favorites. You know, what's amazing, Mindy, is that I've been visiting you at your house a few times and you have um, <laughs> this beautiful garden right in downtown Boulder where you live in your backyard, but it's very small and you still are able to grow everything that you Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. People can grow stuff like that. I think I did an article for, I think it was Martha Stewart's magazine um, on, you know, planter growing. And there's, t- of course, tons of articles on that from other people as well. But, you know, if, even if you live in an apartment and you have some access to a, a patio or a sunny window, you know, you can grow beautiful things. So, Mindy, we're coming to the end of our time. And there's a couple more things I wanted to just ask you about. So what is, like, when you think of herbalism today and what all of the young people are coming into herbalism now, which we just see this amazing wave of young, dedicated, you know, 
they're just as crazy about plants as we were, yeah. But the challenges are very different these days than when we had started. You know, when we were starting our studies, there was like a lack of books, a lack of not schools or the quality of herbs. Really, we we were lucky if we got straw, we used to say, you know, because people weren't growing organic plants or stuff. And all of that, we've, we were able to help resolve, but there's a whole new set of challenges. And so I'm just curious, what do you think are some of the challenges that are facing herbalists today? Well, first of all, I, yeah, I'm so heartened to know that so many young up and coming herbalists are kind of carrying on the banner of herbalism. And I think it's here to stay. I don't think that it will die off and have have another uh, need for a resurgence. I think you did a really good job of planting lots of seeds throughout your career with all these young herbalists. But I think one of the biggest challenges is that you can't just start an herb company. You know, there are so many regulations. I, you kind of can. If you are a country herbalist in your community and there's not a lot of FDA um you know, oversight in terms of of uh, labeling and, of course, all the lab controls that you need now to sell herbs. So if you're selling herbs at your farmer's market or herb products at your farmer's market, which I still see, you know, locally a lot, um, then you can get a foothold. But I think it requires more education these days than it used to. I think to get a job in the herb industry, if that's your passion, um, there are more opportunities now than there used to be, but there are also barriers. You know, there's, I think that it, at least what I see, and of course I, I worked in that world for quite a while and to get into there, you, you know, you have to be, um, a pharmacognosist or a biochemist, or I think you need more education. Still, there are a lot of people making it work without that, like we did. We, we made that work. Um, but I, I still do think that just carrying on with your education, whether it's in a more community herb classes or college. And, and by the way, there are a lot of herb classes at college these days. You can take herbs 101 at, you know, Santa Rosa wow. or, you know, it, it's just, I think it's a lot more places. I know Minneapolis, I have friends who taught those kinds of classes there. And even just to see the University of Arizona's integrative medicine program um, and what they teach there, they teach everything from, you know, they have classes on Ayurveda and Chinese medicine, massage, and of course, mindfulness meditation, that's huge. And, um, and that can be incorporated with herbs and essential oils. And, you know, we used to do aromatic meditations and there's lots of ways to combine all of these things, but I think it still takes some creativity. It's a, a bit of a moving target, as uh, a lot of these things <laughs> have proven to be. But I think if you're passionate and you're educated, um, at maybe you just got a, a degree in botany or horticulture or, um, you know, master gardener or something like that. There's a lot of ways to enter into the world of, of plants. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, it's inspiring. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I think my the last question I have for you is you've done so much and we've only just talked about a few of the things that you've done. As I said, like when I, you know, I've watched you through your whole career and then I read your bio and it's like, oh my God, she's even more amazing than I know her to be. But when you look at the things that you're most proud of that you've done, 
with your herbal work, what would you say, you know, that, that you have given you the most joy? Well, I, <laughs> it's going to sound a little strange. I think that it is that I made my teacher proud and that's <laughs> you. <laughs> and truly, Rosemary, I think that you inspired so many people. I want to just truly acknowledge how much you gave to our industry and over all the decades and you had to make me cry because it's so heartfelt. But, you know, you are such an inspiration to me and to so many people. And, and you brought so many people together and people that were um, teachers of, of both of ours, you know, Cascade and, 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 and Jane and, and Sarah, I'm going to name all of our garlic queen sisters, <laughs> you know, but basically I'm just proud to carry on the seed that you planted in me. And, and it really, truly, I think any of us who, who knew you back then, or even just met you are so inspired by the work that you did from your heart and gave to the world. And I'm just so, so blessed to have met you so early on. You know, we grew up not far apart when I left the, the tropics and moved to California in 1963. You were just the, you know, next county, but the, yeah. the county between us was Napa. You were on the west side of Napa and I was on the east side of Napa and we found each other. And I'm so, so very grateful for that. And, and I'm just, proud to be in the industry and proud to carry on what you taught me. Thank you, Mindy. I feel just the same, you know, it's in such an incredible lifelong journey. So um, Mindy mentioned the Garlic Queens and it's a secret society, right? Of older herbalists. Of course, we were younger herbalists when we all got together. We always said that the Garlic Queens always had this juicy odor about, <laughs> you could always call it Garlic Queen. Undertone of garlic. <laughs> <laughs> as uh, is, is the inspiration for this novel I've been thinking of writing for 40 years called Chili Garlic, Chili Verde of the Garlic Queens, a story of love, passion, and herbs. And you're, you won't see Mindy's name mentioned in it, but if you look closely, you'll see Mindy <laughs> in the book. The Let's names see. were changed to protect the guilty. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Mindy, so much for joining us. And really, I want to thank you for your incredible dedication over the last 50 years to you know, the herbal and healthcare movement, you've done so much and really have been such an inspiration to so many people. And yeah, I hope you write another book. I love your books. Your, your book on a really You won't see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with that. Little articles, maybe. <clears throat> yeah. You're so smart. But, um, yeah. And I, and I did that again, just based on your teachings and your love and your support and your encouragement over the years, which I know you do with for every student that you meet. And I think that's one of your great, great gifts, Rosemary, is that you you acknowledge people for who they are and where they are. And they love you for that. And and beyond the teachings, just, you know, the beautiful soul that you are. And so I'm I'm so grateful to be here and to share with you and to see you. And um next time it'll be on a private Zoom call, I'll say hello from across the continent. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, everyone, for listening in on these personal interviews with our elders. And uh, I know Mindy doesn't look like an elder, but she's just taken such a, she's one of those people who walks her talk. And uh, there's her results right there. So thank you, honey, for being with us and joining Thanks. us. Much love. <laughs>